Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. I'm Sarah Blakemore. On today's episode, we'll be teaming up with another podcast called Undertaking the Podcast, where they educate the public about all things funeral. And sympathy versus empathy. Ooh, all that and more right here, the Gifted Life. Here we go. are an excited Gifted Life podcast crew because we're teaming with another podcast. It's called Undertaking the Podcast. Mr. Brian Waters joins us now. How are you, Brian? I am awesome. Hey, thanks so much for having us. Now, you're solo today, but not normally solo, right? Yeah, not normally. Uh, my co-host, Ryan, uh, just kind of part of our life as funeral directors, uh, was called away and was unable to join us uh, for our chat today. But uh, um, we'll be... Uh, trucking on without him, I suppose. (laughs) There you go. We're getting the word out, which is good. Uh, We focus on educating, spurring healthy conversations about organ tissue and eye donation. We wanted to partner up with you. We're going to tell you why, guys. Uh, Undertaking the podcast is about what? Tell us about that. Well, undertaking the podcast is really two funeral directors just having everyday conversations. We we highlight guests as well. And um, our, our thought process from the beginning is to just put all this out in the open because there's so much information with the internet that you can go out and find, but very little of that is just funeral directors having conversations, trying to get better ourselves and get those conversations out to the public. And we just wanted to sit down unscripted, uh, record and put it out there and see where it went. And uh, we're coming up on our first year anniversary and it's been a pretty, uh, pretty smashing success. We're, uh, we're just trying to, trying to keep graphs to, uh, What's going on here with it? Yeah, so uh, I downloaded uh, some of your podcasts, kind of get a feel um, for you guys. You seem to genuinely like each other. Is that true or is that just for the podcast? No, that that is true. That is true. We don't have a really long history together, though. Um, Our funeral homes are about 40 minutes away, and we both grew up in funeral families, small town funeral homes. And although we knew of each other, we did not interact often. Um, I'm going on 15 years within funeral service. Ryan's uh, a little newer. He's going on his second year, um, but we're about the same age. Um, but once we once we reintroduced to each other, we started brainstorming back and forth about how you know business and how we can get better, and it just blossomed into this friendship that ended in a podcast, strangely enough. I like it. Undertaking the podcast. Um, if you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, it's an easy listen. Uh, you guys are enjoyable. You're talking about funerals and things, but it's just common talk, like things we all think about, talk about. You guys just say it um, on the podcast. Uh, but tell us how you kind of got into the funeral industry. Well, um, both of us, Ryan and I both, grew up in a family funeral home. Um, I went into funeral service directly out of high school, went to college to train um, as, a, as a funeral director. Uh, Ryan went off into the paramedic field um, and came into it uh, about 13 years later, uh, but um, we, we had a little bit of a background in it, but most people think, oh, you knew, you knew what you were getting into, but frankly, we didn't. It was one of those trial by fires, just like anyone else getting into the business. We, we had an idea of what it was, but until you live that life, you can't really explain to someone wanting to come into the funeral world 
what it really is like. Yeah, one of the things that I, I like listening to, you said we're just human, and really nothing can prepare you for dealing with these families. We talk about that um, here as well. And so we're, we want to touch on some of that. Um, I also want to bring up now, we do talk about organ tissue eye donation. One of the things that I noticed was that you guys have a partnership with the Indiana Donor Network. And I'm like, okay, I already thought these guys were cool. Now, <laughs> from my Slammed perspective, up. from my chair, even cooler. So, like, how did that happen? Well, we've got a relationship here in Indiana with our Indiana Donor Network. And it's it's a working relationship with funeral directors and uh, the, the donor network on building a relationship with each other so we can all serve our families better. So we had a little bit of a background already. And once they heard we were starting a podcast, I got a phone call out of the blue and they wanted to know, hey, how can we be involved in this from the get go? And before Ryan and I had content to even release, we had to start thinking, okay, we didn't even think about sponsorships. Now we're going to have to start a business. So um, we jumped right into it without really, frankly, much thought. We just started creating content. And then these partnerships started to grow once we uh, formed undertaking the podcast, the business. And we the long and short of it is as a couple funeral directors who support organ and tissue donation, our, our goals lined up, we believe, with the Indiana Donor Network, and they were so gracious enough to uh, give us their support. That's amazing. And, and, you know, a lot of what you're saying right there, we have been trying to partner up and we have for years uh, here in Louisiana with our funeral homes. Uh, we've got a funeral home uh, subcommittee that reports to our advisory board. And, uh, and we do a lot of work hand-in-hand hand with those guys in, in educating other funeral home directors and, in, of course, uh, you know, having conversations with the public. What have you guys focused on uh, with your partnership with, with IDN as far as education and, and as it pertains to the podcast? Um, well, with our partnership on our advisory committee, we, we brainstorm best practices, best ways of, to communicate with funeral homes. And as far as the podcast goes, we... We, we're very pro-organ donation. Just frankly, we're pro-life. We, we believe that all life is precious and important, and um, there are ways to preserve life even after death. And, um, and, and sometimes funeral directors, uh, I don't mean to throw us, I can't group us all together and throw us under the bus, but traditionally we've not been the most supportive group of individuals when it comes to the gift of life. And we believe that voice within funeral service is, is not being put out there much. And we had a platform and this, we were just speaking our, our personal truth, frankly, is that we believe in it. We know, we just go back to our, I suppose, our personal life. If it was our daughters that needed a life-saving transplant or a tissue donation, it, we know it would be important then. So why isn't it important when it's for our neighbors? And we wanted to get that message out. Well, hey, Ryan Ballard just got freed up at work, so he's able to jump right in and join me here on the podcast. Woo, Ryan, welcome! How, how, how about that? How are you guys? Awesome. Guys That's fantastic. So so Ryan Ballard is uh, the other the co-host of Undertaking the Podcast. So actually, Ryan, and I'll pose this to both of you guys. Uh, we were just t- talking a little bit about uh, the donation process and how it ties you know, with, with funeral homes. And one of the things that Brian had mentioned was that, you know, historically there have been uh, some 
some of the your colleagues that have uh, kind of looked at donation as as uh, in a negative light in some situations, and they haven't seen it for what it's really uh, about, the gift of life. And, I, and what I was going to ask was, so what are the big challenges that you guys have heard from your colleagues about donation, and, and why has there kind of been a negative stigma? Um, are you asking me or are you asking Brian? Both, uh, both of you guys, either. Brian, you want me to start out? Is that all right? Go ahead, Ryan. I, I'll be honest. The biggest issue, the issue that, that I guess a lot of people have is just communication. Um, you know, from a standpoint of, of, you know, whether it's the donor network or, um, you know, Indiana Donor Network or wh- whatever, whatever uh, facility you're working with or entity you're working with, uh, a phone call is uh, really the, the only thing that I need to make sure I can get that loved one into my care. Um, and that doesn't necessarily always happen. So I, I would say communication's a, a big issue. You do hear some of the directors talk about, um, you know, some of the, the extra work that does go in, into these cases. Uh, do they understand fully what, uh, you know, the donor network is, 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 you know, what the gifts, the anatomical gifts they're taking, what they're going to? I don't know. Uh, that's something that maybe we should have more dialogue about. Um, <clears throat> I will say this, uh, it, you know, when we are dealing with a donor case, it does uh, produce uh, some more liability. And, and uh, well, I, I would say, uh, liability and there's some more cost that goes into it because of certain chemicals that have to be used as well as uh, you know different compounds and powders that have to be used as well to to dry that that tissue out. Um, you know I, I I don't know if you know from a standpoint of um, funeral directors and the donor network working together. I don't I, I think we're getting to that and I think we're getting to that uh, by creating dialogue in Indiana. We've you know, our association here has been extremely proactive when it comes to sitting down and getting a committee together and talking with uh, our donor network to at least create the dialogue of, you know, not necessarily our needs and wants, but how do we make things better? How can we make it easier to where, uh, you know, we can get that decedent into our care quicker so we can we can do some things and, 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 and you know, negate any issues that, that, that may come up. So, I, I yes. would I would say that, Brian. Yeah, if I could uh, just expand on that a little bit. Yeah, there are those two factors. One, the the condition of the decedent, and a lot of uh, embalmers and funeral directors uh, they don't necessarily feel confident in their abilities to restore someone to a natural right. state yep. for a final goodbye. And I think that that's one of the biggest things is the confidence problem. Um, as, as embalmers, we are trained uh, in almost every situation to make that answer be yes when a family says, can I see our loved one again? But unfortunately, a lot of what Ryan and I are hearing throughout the funeral funeral industry across the United States is many funeral directors are telling families no. And this is this is huge on our part. The answer needs to be yes in almost every situation and and it can uh, be and it can be and it, there's there's nothing that in uh the gift of life an organ or tissue donation does that makes that answer no uh that only reflects on the embalmer's uh confidence and skill back to communication communication is absolutely key is knowing uh knowing that we will be receiving someone in our care um, and then within the funeral service, uh, funeral directors talk a lot and, uh, you know, like anybody else, we can complain a lot, a little bit too. So um, when we don't receive that notice, um, that can be troublesome. When a family walks into our door and they say, um, you know, we're here to make arrangements for mom and 
the funeral home has no idea that you know their loved one has even passed. Um, this this is a big problem with with for funeral directors and funeral homes, um, and uh, the the donor network will get the blame for that, although it may not be. Uh, they might it may not be responsible for that at all. So when when our donor network knows the funeral home, um, we're getting phone calls, and that's that's what we appreciate. That's what we we want to uh, uh, extend to them is that we need that phone call so we can um, with the first that we are aware that we will be receiving someone because we don't no one wants to be caught off guard. And it's it's horrible. It's horrible to have a family come in and, and catch you off guard. And, and and I guess that would be the biggest thing. They come in and they ask those questions as to where mom or dad is, and, and you know, if mom or dad died uh, last night or yesterday or whatever else. And you know, we don't necessarily have any answers for them. You know, we have to do some research. So for me, I I, I enjoy. I I welcome a phone call just saying, hey, you know, we've got somebody that's going to be coming into your care. We'll notify you when uh, when it, things are accomplished and done. So. It, it just works better that way. The communication is so key. It really is with this. So go ahead. Ben. I was just going to say, so, so I'm the ch- chief clinical officer here in, uh, in Louisiana and, and I've been doing this for, I don't know, 18 years or so. And, uh, years ago, I believe that was one of our biggest challenges too, was that communication, the platform and when to do it and how often or whatever. And, and so everything you guys are saying are certainly things that we have seen here and we've implemented, uh, and, and Sarah, who's, who's part of our podcast is also one of our family advocates who, who goes and supports the family through that initial time frame. And what we have implemented here is, uh, you know, that's one of the questions that are, that's asked at the time of the authorization, if they've got a funeral home that they've decided on and that way Sarah can give them a notification early on. And, and so we've seen a lot better uh, responsiveness, you know, responses from the, the funeral home and the families and the families themselves. So we've certainly seen a lot of the same things. And I think, uh, you know, with with just an open dialogue between funeral directors and donor networks, it's only going to improve. And that's why we feel very, very confident that it's, it's only going to get better over time. Right. Um, so like Joey said, I do work with our families. And so it's so refreshing to hear how you want. We want to make sure that when we're working with families that they can have whichever funeral services that they want and that donation will not get in the way of that. So my question is, what are some of the things that y'all have had families do to honor their donor hero in their funeral services? A lot of families will will actually place a, a portion of their obituary to let 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 the world know that um, they have chosen their you know to give the gift of life with their loved one. Uh, here at the funeral home, we've uh, um, we've actually set out some uh, wristbands that were provided to us by the Indiana Donor Network that says uh, "Be a Hero" on it, and the community just took those as fast as I could put them out. Uh, the families that do choose do choose this are very proud of that they are uplifted in a way that's and sometimes hard to describe that they know although their loved one's gone they're that they've got something else to something positive to reflect on uh, knowing that they've helped others and those stories are shared uh, at the funeral home where their services are and it's just it's just one more thing that we can do to to honor a life well lived well, and, and I think there's some other things too that you know the donor network where we're at, um, you know they provide uh, almost like a, a, a medallion 
that honors that loved one. We can have that set out at the funeral. Um, we have uh, donor network flags uh, that uh, we put on all our cars for someone that has donated, that's given that gift, um, you know, for, for procession. So we, we, we try to support that as much as possible at the cemetery. Sometimes we'll have a, a donate life flag out there uh, waving in the wind in the background. And people will go over and take pictures with it. Family will, will actually, uh, they embrace it, you know, and, and quite honestly, they, they, they should. Why not? You know, I, I, it's something that, that helps other people. Um, but, you know, I, I think they truly appreciate the fact that it is being celebrated, um, that they are being honored for that gift. So there are many ways you can go about, you know, celebrating the fact that, that they were a donor or are a donor. Um, you know, I, I think it just depends on uh, thinking out, thinking outside the box a little bit as a director or as a as a network itself. Yeah, like you, like Ryan mentioned, uh, a lot of these ideas are kind of funeral director driven, and a lot of them are family driven as well. So it it depends on how open and accepting your funeral director is on right. how how some of these ideas flow. And uh, and the other thing too, Brian, interrupting, but you know, you can do, for instance, a, a donate life head panel. We've talked to our donor network about doing something like that. Now, there's obviously some rights uh, reserved and, and copyrights or whatever else, uh, but that doesn't seem to be too too big of an issue when it comes to that that network, uh, whoever you're dealing with, uh, as long as you're promoting the, don the donation. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, we've we've done that. We've been able to get a few head panels made for uh, for families, and they'll keep those and. Uh, you know, and, and take those home with them. So there, there's just ways. It's like Brian said, that the funeral director has to think outside the box a little bit because this is our realm. This is what we do. Uh, we, we are the ones that put the service together. How, how can we incorporate, uh, you know, the, the, the anatomical gift that that person gave in the service? So that's kind of something that we have, you know, we have to do and be conscious of and, and do it on our own. But there's lots of ways of doing it. You know, I, I mentioned three just off the top of my head right there that we've done. So, I know. And, and I, I, I was add, liking this list I'm making here. <laughs> if I could add one just little tidbit, because I know your question was how families um, will, will, will talk about this and, and uh, share the word. But I think uh, um, just like we mentioned about funeral directors, the biggest gift we can give a family after they have chosen to give the gift of life is to help them honor a loved one in their way, whatever that may be, whether it be burial, cremation, funeral or no funeral. But when a family asks to see their loved one again, we have to make that answer yes. And thank you so much for doing that. It means so much, I'm sure, to every family that you work with. I'm loving the forward thinking of you guys. And you generally seem to, to like each other. Ryan, I think <laughs> you missed that part earlier. He, he, he was talking good about you, buddy. Um, Wasn't but, uh, <laughs> you're all right. I like it. I like it. So undertaking the podcast, we're talking to Brian and Ryan. And I do want to bring it back to the basics. I'm out in the community. Uh, I deal with our volunteers. We go out and we try to dispel those myths. And I just want to address um, a myth that we hear often out in our area. And that is if you are an organ donor, you can't have an open casket funeral. Can you guys discuss? I can yeah. spell that right now. It's an absolute lie. Um, at least within our area, that's a lie. And I'll, I'll call it straight out what it is. Brian will like single code it for me. Well, let me say this, though. You know, unless, unless, unless the donor network is taking something, you know, from, uh, from the facial area, um, that, that's, you know, of which I, I don't know if, if stories like that are true or not. But 
um, unless you're, you're taking a, a gel burn or something like that, why on earth could you not have an open casket? Why on earth? It just doesn't make sense to me. I, you know, like Brian said, sometimes it's a little bit of the, the confidence of the director um, or it's uh, apathy and laziness. You can pick either one. Uh, within our podcast, we, uh, we provide the, uh, the options for people that if you're uncomfortable doing this, if you don't know what you're doing, um, here's three, three people within the Midwest that would be more than happy to have you call them uh, and help you with this or whatever else. So, you know, Brian, like I said, you can sugarcoat it, but that's a lie. I, I don't believe that at all. It is. It, it's, it is a straight up myth. Uh, just this past Monday, I spoke to a local rotary group and I look at being a funeral director also as being a consumer advocate. So um, as I was speaking, I was giving folks red flags to look for when you're dealing with a funeral home, funeral director or cemetery in, in all regards. But half of my speech, half of my talk was talking about organ and tissue donation, clearing up some of those myths. And I did talk about this, this one issue of, of you know, you can't have an open casket if you if you have either organ tissue or both donated. And I think this has probably been this narrative has been pushed by some lazy funeral directors. And when a family is told no, they tell others and they tell more people. And I stood before this crowd and I said, if you ever hear that word, no, it's time to stop and reevaluate. It is OK to change your mind. Um, because we want people to feel confident in their decisions in the way they honor their loved one. And that's what we, that's what we need to be as funeral directors. We believe. Wow. You see how he softened that? <laughs> that <was> beautiful. <laughs> we, we love it. And we want to keep talking to you guys. Um, we're going to take a break now. We're talking to Brian um, Waters and Ryan Ballard of Undertaking the Podcast. If you're looking for a new podcast, this is one to download. Undertaking the Podcast. Uh, two guys having a conversation, talking about life, talking about pre-planning. Um, it's just a good one. Um, we'll be back with more of The Gifted Life coming up. At this point in the Gifted Life podcast, Miss Sarah, the spotlight's on you, ma'am. We're taking a moment for mental health. Yes. In this mental health moment, Sarah's going to be bringing us empathy versus sympathy. Okay. Take it away, Sarah. All right. Let's do it. it. So today we're going to talk about what the differences are and which one is better to have. So sympathy. Sympathy is essentially feelings of compassion and sorrow for someone, and which is really beneficial Definitely. But the difference between sympathy and empathy is that empathy brings in understanding. It's being able to attempt to walk in someone else's shoes and to share in their experience. So they're both very valuable. But in this day and age, it's especially valuable to have empathy skills because not only do we want to feel for someone and sympathize with them, but we also want to understand so that we can support others better and be there for their needs. In nursing school, uh, 10 years ago or 25, More? moved there. What was something. Uh, sorry, what? Something in the early 90s. Ago? That was one of the things as a nursing students that we were taught was that very thing, you know, because before that, I thought to me, empathy, sympathy is kind of synonymous. And uh, they taught us that it's so important 
yes, it's important to have compassion and, and feel sorry for someone, but it's really more important as a nurse caring for that patient and their family to be empathetic and to try to put yourself in their shoes, as you mentioned. And, and, and that way you can, it allows you to, to be able to care for them better if you're trying to understand them better. And we also learn, you know, you hear people say, well, yeah, I know exactly how you feel because it was, you know, you may have had a, a similar situation in the past, but no two situations are exactly the same. There's so many variables. And, and, and they taught us kind of along those lines that that is the complete opposite of being empathetic. Right. Like there might be experiences that people can share that are similar, but people experience in different ways. So empathy isn't fully understanding someone. It's trying to understand them better so that you can be there for them. When you hear of people who are empathetic, you hear of people who actively listen to you, who ask probing questions for a purpose. And so it's really important right now, especially with connecting. Um, I know everything is online and there's social media, so there's lack of connection. I'll say this. There's lack of meaningful connection. We're very connected, but not in a meaningful way. So it's really important to learn how to ask someone questions to better understand them to be there for them more. So you're saying I'm not completely connected to all thousand of my friends on Facebook? <laughs> They're all coming to support you and celebrate you. All those folks on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, while you were guys were talking, um, you guys are really great at, at listening, like those skills. And I was like, oh, you have to be a, a good listener to, right. to, to do that. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. All right, I like so it. let's live in a more empathetic world where we try to understand each other better. Yep. That would Touché. be a nice world, Sarah. I like that. Uh, do you have a topic you want Miss Sarah to cover? Info at thegiftedlife.org. We'd love to hear from you. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero, Misty Carol Davis. And we learn more about Misty through her family. Misty, you are a woman of integrity and devotion and so full of life and joy. You are a dear wife, a most loving mother and stepmother, sister, and our most precious daughter. How we miss you and find it so unbearable without you, but our hope in the Lord abounds and we know we will see you again. Misty, you are such a dear and friendly person in life and never met a stranger. You cannot imagine how your legacy will always continue because of the gift of your unselfish love by being an organ donor. People who never knew you will have a more fulfilling life Again, you never met a stranger. Misty is remembered and loved forever and ever by her family. Mom, Pop, Wayne, Hunter, Naomi, Nicole, Bridget, Kim, and Ricky. You can read more about Misty on our Heroes tab at lopa.org. And at this time, we pause and say thank you to Misty for the gift of life. question and answer segment here on The Gifted Life. We're bringing in our new best friends, Brian and Ryan of Undertaking <laughs> the Podcast. Thanks, guys. Hey, what's up? All right. No so problem. we have a question and we thought who better to ask, right? Have you seen an increase in the number of cremations? What would you attribute that to? Okay, Ryan, if you'll let me take it. I'm going to keep one foot out of the rabbit hole here because uh, the first answer is yes, absolutely. There's been an increase in cremations. We're up to about 53% nationally. It's projected that 80% of all Americans will choose cremation within the next 20 years. 
That's just the prediction. There are many, many reasons why we could possibly pinpoint it to, but not one, so I will try to be brief. Cost is one of those factors. And cost is one of those factors because families aren't always choosing a final resting spot in a cemetery. And that could be because we're basically a transit society now. We do not have that, that home base where we are born, raised, work, live, die. Uh, those Sunday family dinners with all the family there are just not happening because we're all spread out across the country. And families make purchases based on value. And if they feel that there's no one going to be around to visit a burial space, then why purchase a burial space? But yes, we are seeing a, a, a rise in cremation. But in our world, we're not seeing a rise, uh, a decrease necessarily in what a family does before the cremation. Um, we still hold the same types of services in the same locations. Uh, all the time that uh, families uh, are choosing. So um, although we see a rise in cremation, we're not always seeing uh, a diminishment of services. So families will still have their loved one, um, whether it's in a funeral home or a church or at their home. Families still want to time, spend time with their loved ones so they can say those those goodbyes and have that chance. And and also, Brian, if I can add to that, you know, it's the responsibility responsibility of the funeral director as well to, to, you know, enlighten those families on their options. You know, there are some families and it wasn't more than a few years ago that, you know, when it came to cremation, you weren't necessarily talking about services. You weren't talking about uh, having any type of a, a visitation or, or having, a, uh, you know, the, the, the deceased present or anything like that. Now, uh, you know, from a standpoint of the director, uh, we're educating these families on, yes, we can, we can do all that. We can still have services. We can still have visitation, everything, and have your loved one present. Um, you know, we can do the cremation and all that can happen after the fact. And, you know, I, it's still, I think within my area, you know, people, we, we have to educate people on that a lot. Uh, and once they find out that they have that option, um, you know, I, I think it's it's extremely helpful for them because then they get to get, go through the entire experience. They get to work through their grief as well. They get to see their loved one and have a, an acceptable, recognizable look uh, or a memory picture uh, that they can they can process for well, the, you know, for the duration of life because that person that's the last time they'll see them. So you know, it, it's just it's about education too. I, I the rise in cremation it doesn't necessarily by any means scare myself or Brian, um, because, you know, we we're, we're able to, to talk to these families and, and let them know that, you know, there, there's options here that we can do some things. So, yeah. And just bottom line, it's become more culturally acceptable. All right. Great insight, guys. We appreciate you um, taking the time. We've enjoyed our visit. And I get, should I ask him this question too? You think we should just catch him? Do you guys um, think that you'll relocate to Louisiana so we can have <laughs> easier access to you guys or? Oh, uh, we're just a phone call away. Oh. Uh, I don't know that we're going to be relocating. I lo love the Midwest, love the cold winters and hot summers. So. My buddy Steve Johnson over there, uh, the COO at IDN, I'm sure he'd be tackling us uh, if, he, <laughs> if he knew we were asking you. We appreciate you guys taking the time. Maybe you have a question you want us to tackle here on The Gifted Life. Send us an email, info at thegiftedlife.org. And that's episode 116. I enjoyed visiting with our partner podcasters. Thanks to our friends there in Indiana, Ryan and Brian from Undertaking the Podcast. Such great content. We had such great conversations. We certainly hope you guys check it out.
Yeah, and we hope that we inspired you to register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. You can do that anytime, registerme.org. And remember, the best place to find us is at our website, thegiftedlife.org. And if you don't hear us there, you can certainly find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever your favorite podcast app may be. Find us and like our page on Facebook, The Gifted Life Podcast, and follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Gifted Life Pod. I do, people. I follow it. Good content <laughs> there. We hope that um, you will uh, take that step and do that as well. But most of all, we hope that you share this Gifted Life podcast. Our goal is to spur those healthy conversations about organ tissue and eye donation. You could be the key. And we hope that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. It's that simple, and we're a team. We'll talk to you next time. This is a production of LOPA, or the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreaux, and Sarah Blakemore. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.